Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, 88.3 WXAV listeners uh, and listeners of the Demadio Sports Show here on Spotify. Um, crazy week again in the NFL, week 15, one of the busiest and wildest weeks we've seen all season. Uh, we had games on Saturday, two really good ones, um, as well as just some crazy events we witnessed this Sunday as well. So, I mean, crazy games up and down the board. Um, and to kick out, kick off um, the recap, really, of week NFL, of week 15 of the NFL season, uh, we start off with, I would say, the craziest game. Um, and that's got to be the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. And that is the Minnesota Vikings coming back to beat the Indianapolis Colts, who are up in the first half 33 to nothing. And this game was just ridiculous. So Kirk Cousins had to complete a total of 54 passes. Um, the Vikings only had to give up, they only gave up three points that whole second half. So they outscored um, the Colts 39 to three in the second half. It uh, just the thing I don't get is how, like, what did Jeff Saturday possibly say to them at halftime? Like, it's almost like I don't understand how that's even possible, especially in the NFL. Just how competitive teams are. It doesn't matter how bad you are when you have a 33 point lead. It just doesn't make any sense how you could let a team back in the game like that, especially in the way that the Vikings did. I mean, Dalvin Cook was running it down their throats. I mean, Kirk Cousins had four touchdowns in the second half. He was able to get anything he wanted. Um, and, and it was just unbelievable how easily everything was clicking for them the second half. I mean, Justin Jefferson had a great game. Dalvin Cook was running all over the place. Probably one of the better games um, of his career as well as a season well, not of his career, I guess, uh, just because he had that really big second half. He had 17 carries for 95 yards. Um, we saw that giant run that he had that was like the biggest play of the game, I would say. Uh, actually, the reception, the big touchdown run. I mean, he was all over the place. He also had four catches for 95 yards as well as the rushing attempts. So, I mean, just Dalvin Cook did everything right. He had a total of – like he had – 20 attempts here, so not that much. But still, I mean, he was able to do things in the running and passing game. Uh, we saw that massive catch that he had, broke a bunch of tackles. I mean, he was he was great. So it just shows how high-powered this offense is for the Vikings. And I mean, in one-score games, they once again are unbeaten, and it's crazy the way they come back like that. Jefferson, 12 catches, 123. K.J. Osborne, not a guy you expect to go off. 10 catches for 157, a touchdown. Four different receivers had touchdowns. We saw Phelan, uh, Cook, Jefferson, and Osborne had touchdowns. So, I mean, they just everything was clicking in that second half. Everything was really going the opposite way for the Colts. Statistically, it wasn't too bad of a game for Matt Ryan, who now at this point of his career known as maybe one of the biggest chokers of all time. Not really what you want to be known as here. I mean, he's had a great career. He's been in big moments. He's been in Super Bowls. He's won MV. He's had a career, but just he's going to be known as a guy who lets away so many games. That, that, that I mean, he's not a guy who you want to have in a big situation anymore. It's really unfortunate. 19 for 3, one touchdown. So that wasn't very No John Mark. So just not, not really just not putting at all that you want to see a team like that. I mean, the Colts coming to put up numbers offensively. It's just, it's really interesting to say they're for the Colts. I mean, it clearly 
shows he's not at all capable of being a head coach in the NFL right now. And it almost feels like that, um, it's really, as we talked about a lot uh, last week, um, Jim Ursay shows his guy, and he feels like he's not there. I obviously feel as if he can't come. Uh, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just everything that went wrong. It's just weird to have a guy like Saturday completely unexperienced. And I stuck up for him. I, I Last time on the show, I believed that they were kind of writing him off. Really, you saw guys, Bill Cower, when he was on um, Sunday night, when he was on the press conference, he did the pregame um, on Fox, just basically almost getting very emotional about Jeff Saturday not to go through any of the ranks, really, just to get to the top and get to the coach. He kind of like it was a slight at coaches. I, um, at first, did not dig with him at all when I heard him, considering it was Jeff Saturday when he came off a nice win against the Raiders. But, yeah, besides that, I mean, there's really no, no reason to hire him besides the fact that maybe he wanted a guy on the inside. Uh, but just game was unbelievable. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in sports, and that wasn't even the dumbest thing I saw this weekend. I saw much dumber things, which we're going on board here, so we'll get to them last. Uh, but staying on Saturday, another good game. It's just a football game. Dolphins, both teams went at each other. It was all. It was pretty much Dolphins. Well, it was. Well, yeah, it was Bills in the first half, but the second half it was really that third quarter kind of changed things in the uh, Dolphins' direction. So Buffalo was really clicking in that first half. Josh Allen had three first half touchdowns. Was in the ball involved to everybody. Singletary didn't have much of a game. Only had uh, about yards, but he was getting Allen was getting all his guys all. I like the way he was like about different receivers. Uh, you saw Quentin Morris, a guy had one catch. It was a touchdown. Allen found him. Not a guy that he's really prone to at all. Third string tight end. Dawson Knox got involved with the um, starting tight end. Um, Hines finally got a touchdown here um, with the Bills after being traded from the Colts and James Cook. So a bunch of different guys not really throwing to um, Diggs and Davis as we usually see. But um, I like the way that Josh Allen did get people involved. It looked like he was really taking over that game and offensively. In that snow, I mean, it was, pretty, it was a close game, I would say. First half, it was 7-3 Bills, which, uh, yeah, it was, the score really wasn't um, in effect in that first half. It didn't really start coming down to the third quarter, fourth quarter, which we'll get to. Um, but, yeah, in that second quarter, um, the Bills also have two touchdowns, so they look good. It was a 24-3 halftime um, until uh, it was kind of turned around in the second, um, that third quarter. The Dolphins looked really good. Put up 13 points, and that's where a touchdown came from. Tua, uh, we saw that one to um, Jalen Waddle, who had another good game. Only three catches, but 114 yards as opposed to, as opposed to Tyree Kill, uh, who had nine catches for 70 yards. So both guys played pretty well. And uh, Tua, give credit to him. He had a kind of a bounce-back game, 234 yards, uh, 17 for 30. Wasn't really turning the ball over. So we saw another... Great throw to Jay Waddle, just beat his receiver to kind of get them back in that game. Uh, but yeah, once that snow started coming down, Josh Allen just lit it up. Only scored 11 points, but that was all they needed. They scored a game-winning field goal at the end, which is uh, pretty clutch. So yeah, Josh Allen took them all the way down the field in a game that was tied, trying to avoid overtime against a high-powered offense. Like the Dolphins, was able to get them down with the snow coming. Um, and yeah, they buried a field goal, which was nice to see at the end of that game. And it, it just kind of is going to kind of emphasize the rest of this NFC East. Or, I'm sorry, the AFC East when we get to it. Um, just two heartbreaking losses for two teams there. Uh, Tyler Besso, the 
it was not that long of a field. It was only a 25 yarder, but in the snow, pretty difficult to hit. And it was just a well played game. You like to see games like that. The quarterbacks combined for six touchdowns, no picks, uh, over 500 yards. So that that's good to see. The running backs didn't do too much. Josh Allen, 10 carries, 77. So pretty good uh, for him, I would say. One of those games where he's really the majority running back. And we saw that a lot. Uh, Devin Singletary with only 13 carries, uh, not too much. But also in the running game, that's over 100 yards rushing total for the Bills. Uh, Dolphins, we saw Raheem Mostert have a pretty solid game. 17 carries, 136. We also saw Ahmed get in the end zone. He had 43 yards. So, I mean, both guys were playing pretty well, I would say. It's nice to see a, kind of a tandem there. And Raheem Mostert had the best game of the season, I would say, for him besides not getting the end zone, eight yards a carry. So pretty impressive for him with only those 17 carries for 136. So, yeah, I mean, not really much to get to. Just a well-played football game against two, I would say, of the top offenses in the league, two of the top five offenses in terms of scheme and output, actually, for the Dolphins. But, yeah, the Bills, the both teams just played well. And wasn't really – it was a good, close game. And um, it was really good to see on Saturday that, along with the Colts-Vikings, just tremendous football. So those are really the two biggest ones on Saturday. That Ravens game isn't really much to talk about. They lost 13-3 to to the Browns. No Lamar Jackson, so not really much to get through there. But, yeah, that offense looked completely flat. And you wonder if um, the Ravens are going to have time to turn it around. If Lamar is out, I don't think there's any chance they move on to the playoffs. So really something to look out for. And Lamar Jackson's health and what that means going into a contract year. But yeah, the Browns, Deshaun Watson gets his first win as a member of the Cleveland Browns. So yeah, there's that. But yeah, not really much to talk to in that game. The Ravens, I don't know if they had that division locked up with the Bengals, but it's going to be pretty close to see the end of the year, which way it goes, considering the Bengals had a nice comeback against Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay turned the ball over four times in the second half. It was 17 nothing at halftime. They ended up losing... I want to say, yeah, they, they lost 26-17, to 17, I believe. And just Tom Brady looks just bad. I mean, Tom Brady had a pick in the inside the 30, so they got the ball down the field in the first half. Tom Brady throws a pick. They get the ball again inside the 30, fumble, get the ball again inside, like inside the 50, inside their territory, pick, fumble again. So, I mean, just horribly, horrible second half. And we saw that fake punt that didn't work again. And Todd Bowles, I like him as a guy. He seems like a good guy. I mean, he's been good coordinator. He was a great coordinator when Tampa Bay won um, the Super Bowl, and he was struggled with the Jets, obviously. And it just shows to me how important it is to have like a big, big time coach up there. You just see teams lose this year, basically just because of the coaching. So yeah, I mean, it's really important to have a great head coach, and Bruce Arians was that. He's a borderline Hall of Fame coach. So just seeing him go, I guess. Tom Brady wanted him out. This is what Tom Brady wanted. He kind of wanted Bulls to kind of help that defense and let him kind of do a lot of the stuff on offense. Uh, but it hasn't really worked out. So they're still going to make the playoffs. Probably going to get the four seed considering they're going to win their division. Maybe face Dallas. That's what it's looking like right now. Cowboys versus Tampa Bay. I don't know if that's really the matchup people want to see. But yeah, Tampa Bay's had the number of you know, the Cowboys in the past. So moving on, we'll start with the Sunday hometown game, Eagles-Bears. So this is a game that nobody really expected the Bears to be in whatsoever. And, and they really held their own. At halftime, they were trailing 10-6. to uh, They are also even with... Yeah, they were even with um, the Eagles in the 
They only lost by one in the second half, but they're even in the third quarter. And this is another game where Fields in his passing. I was kind of glad to see him take another big step, I thought. He put two touchdowns in the end zone, 14 of 21, so pretty good completion percentage on not too many attempts. Um, and running again, I mean, 15 carries for 95 yards. Montgomery also 12 carries for 53. He was good. But you always see, like, one or two of those giant runs for Justin Fields. We saw yesterday he got to that left sideline, made two guys miss, had a spin move, stepped out of bounds, uh, but still just a tremendous move by him. And he just leaves your jaw on the ground once a week, just doing stuff that quarterbacks never do. He gets, um, as the third player in NFL history, next to Lamar Jackson and Mike Vick as 1,000-yard rushers um, at quarterback. So just... Just so much of a dangerous weapon you have in Justin Fields. I know Trevor Lawrence is kind of taking that next step um, as a passer um, so far this season, especially in the past weeks. But I think in that Packers game and this one, uh, besides those two picks Fields threw at the end of that Packer game, uh, it just kind of shows like the way he's matured. A lot of the, I saw also on the broadcast they were showing plays where Fields would step up and usually run. He probably had the first down, but he surveyed the field, looked, through downfield, found some open guys and just made throws that he wasn't making, just decisions that he wasn't making, checking the ball down a lot more. Really, both of those things have been major issues for Fields, but yeah, I mean, he's really excelled in those no picks is a big stat. They once again had a chance to win the game, but yeah, the Eagles' D-line was just dominant. Fields got sacked eight times, and he was still able to get 95 rushing yards. Uh, But yeah, Montgomery looked pretty good in the passing game. He had two touchdowns. One rushing, one passing. So he was close to 100 yards total. Uh, Pringle also got in the end zone, which is, we'll see if the Bears extend him. I know he's been hurt a lot. That I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think he'll be an okay guy to bring back. But yeah, also Nicholas Morrow, another guy that you've got to consider bringing back. He also had nine tackles, been very solid this year. Um, we'll probably get a lot of money in free agency. Not too much, but I think he'd be a good guy to get back on a short deal. Uh, but yeah, and the Bears' defense played much better than I anticipated. Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions. So they kind of were stopping Hurts pretty easily in the passing game. 315 is pretty good, so he really stepped up in that second half. But yeah, he had two picks in the first half, but he also had three pa- rushing touchdowns. So you take no passing, and he converts that to three rushing. One, just a miscommunication. He ran right up the middle. So yeah, I mean, it just shows. I don't think he's the MVP anymore. I think he might have... Um, kind of hurt himself in that situation, but yeah, it kind of just shows the strides he's making. Just if it was Fields, I know he's young still, and if you throw those two interceptions in the first half, you kind of lose momentum, and um, that's why I hope Justin Fields is able to kind of take that step, maybe comparable to Jalen Hurts, just the way he runs. I know he doesn't he doesn't have to be as run heavy. Hurts has been a run heavy his entire career, whether that be at Oklahoma, Alabama, or the Eagles. Um, but Justin Fields hasn't really been that run heavy and Jalen Hurts really makes very few mistakes on offense in terms of passing as well as running so I think Justin Fields Hurts is a good guy to copy and maybe take that next jump we know Jalen Hurts is a crazy person in the gym he's constantly lifting tons of weight so I mean he's a guy that um, it's pretty important to have a quarterback like that your leader being in the gym being one of those guys who's uh, first guy and last guy, so that's a very important thing. A.J. Brown, 181 yards with Smith, 126. I think they're right next to Bills in terms of receiving core. I think Bills with Gabe Diss and Stephon Diggs. 
A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith with the Eagles, and then um, Waddle and um, Hill on the Dolphins. So I think um, that's a pretty good combination for receiver, top three in the league, and it's really the reason why they've been so dominant all year. They're still pack 14 passed and rushing, which just shows all the weapons they have. They could make plays in offensive and passing, running. Their defense, obviously, their line got to fields. A bunch of people with multiple sacks. Um, Hassan Raddick, Javon Hargrave, um, those guys really got the fields um, often, so they have four sacks combined for themselves right there. And then Josh Sweat was also tremendous. So three guys with multiple sacks is crazy stat. So I think they were pretty good. So I, th- I think the Eagles still chance. I think this was their really trap game, and they got over it. Um, pulled out a pretty close win against the Bears, who fall to three and eleven. Pretty good stuff. I- honestly, I was thinking. So, if you look at a team like the Seahawks, the Broncos, they have the Broncos pick. That will most likely be a top five pick. So, if you're the Bears, obviously the defense needs a lot of work. I think that's where you got to really focus. I think if you're willing to get a top two pick and you want to trade that pick to the Seahawks, doesn't matter what they do with it, if they use it in more trades or if they actually take that pick and try to get the pick that's theirs, that'll probably be a 20 and you could so that would mean that basically you could even throw that Pittsburgh pick in there to try to get into that first round that means you would have two first round picks as opposed to one second which is what they're going to have so I think if you could package that top pick as well as that second to get two top you get a top 20 pick and probably a top two pick if you can couple that you could maybe get a guy like Quentin um, Johnson from TCU a guy like um, Spiff um, Najabi from Ohio State, if you could get one of those guys, maybe Jordan Addison even, in that late first round and then get a guy like Will Anderson in that first round, I think that'll be really important to see if the Bears can do that, even if it means losing the Steelers' second rounder, which might be pretty late. could be early, but we'll see uh, what happens in that situation because right now the Steelers, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe they could even hold on to that second-round pick. I just think it's really important for the Bears to kind of focus on that and do what you can with that 3-11 record. I wouldn't be opposed to winning one more game. It's going to be tough with the Vikings, Bills, and Lions coming up, all really hot teams right now. So it's looking right now like the Bears are going to be in that second pick. So if they continue to lose like that, I think that's going to be pretty crucial for them to try to maybe trade up and get another, or trade down to get an extra pick. So um, that's something to look out for for Bears fans. I haven't really heard anyone really addressing that, but I feel like that would be a good move nonetheless. So now moving on, uh, another great game. So uh, you look at Jets-Lions. So the, the Lions have been on fire. It started off pretty good for the Lions. They had a pretty good um, touchdown touchdown early. Uh, their running attack was there once again with Swift and Williams. They were solid. Jared Goff, though, really is the guy who is really clicking for them. So he only had one touchdown, but 23 for 38. He was putting the ball on, guys. And Amon Ross St. Brown, he got a bunch of guys involved. Um, Khalif Raymond, five catches for 53 yards. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, seven catches for 76. So he was getting a lot of guys involved. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, obviously, both splitting carries, essentially. And Justin Jackson got a bunch of carries as well. Uh, Six carries for 16. So everything was pretty balanced. They only put up 20 points. That's something to look out for. But 
one of the touchdowns they got, they backed Zach Wilson all the way up. They were forced to punt. Wilson almost gave a pick on that play. Next play, they return it for a touchdown, which is only their second touchdown of the game. It just shows how big these plays are. So they got one on that kick return, which was really their only offense heading up until that fourth quarter. Once they got to that fourth quarter, no time left really. A couple under a minute, Jared Goff delivers his first touchdown of the game. That was a pass to their backup tight end. Well, kind of their starting tight end now that um, when they traded Hawkerson, but um, that's Brock Wright. His first catch of the game was a 51-yard touchdown, um, knifing through the defense to get into the end zone and take that 20-17 lead. And this one, surprisingly, wasn't on Zach Wilson. So the Lions, once again, find a way to win. Dan Campbell has really got his kind of system to work. His job of motivating these guys has been different. And in the beginning, it wasn't clicking. And I thought maybe, you know, these guys might turn on Dan Campbell if it doesn't start working soon. Uh, but it, it has worked. And he's gotten these guys to buy in. And they've been playing to their ability. I mean, Jared Goff, we know, is a top 10 pick in 2018. He made it to the Super Bowl. He's a guy who has potential but never really lived up to it. We saw when he got traded, they immediately won a Super Bowl. But I just think his he's he's an underrated guy. And I just I think he got kind of a bad rap. Out of um, when he was in on the Rams, I think he might have got a little bit of a bad rap, and he was able to really turn that around this year. And I think he's done a good job of kind of leading the Lions back. And honestly, now they don't even have a need at quarterback. I mean, they could fill in for the rest of the positions they need. They have a good offensive line, so that's a good place to start. Their running game's there with a two-headed monster um, in Williams and Swift, and they got Allen Ross St. Brown, a true number one. So they could really focus on that defense. Um, they got a pretty good secondary. They got young guys, but you could focus a little bit on that linebacker core as well as um, some safeties. They got some issues with safety. So you get a couple weapons in free agency. I think if you have a better defense um, in terms of the draft, you might be in good shape. I, I kind of agree with that for the Jets. Um, kind of the opposite, though. They kind of need offensive line work. Their defense is great, and they need probably a number one running back. I know they have um, Brees Hall, who's out, Michael Carter. But, yeah, I think you have a pretty good number one receiver you could have up and coming in Garrett Wilson. I think Elijah Moore could be that guy, but you could use a little more work there. Um, but, yeah, I think they obviously have a need at quarterback. I think Zach Wilson may be done. This this loss, however, was not on Zach Wilson. I mean, he had a pretty solid game, 18 for 35, 317, two touchdowns, one pick. So he was okay, and he finally got Garrett Wilson involved, who was near 100 yards. So I think he played all right. But, yeah, that rushing attack was a problem. Michael Carter, four carries for 15, and uh, Zonovan Knight, 13 for 23. So they didn't really run the ball. They could have been a little more efficient running the ball. They would have been in a lot better shape. Uh, they were unable to do that. They were also unable to sack um, Jared Goff once. Quincy Williams had five tackles. I mean, no one really stood out in the stat sheet in terms of defense. Another thing, too, on the Lions' part, they did not throw the ball to um, Sauce Gardner once. He had no targets on his side of the field, so they did a great job of kind of taking him out of the game, allowing them uh, to come away with a win in a pretty close game. So congrats to the Lions. I think they might have a chance to make the playoffs here, and they're kind of my team that I'm going to be riding with for the rest of the year. So I'm pretty excited to see how the Lions do. I think it would be a really cool story to see them maybe get to the playoffs and maybe make a little bit of a run, I think. Dan Campbell will obviously get an extension on his contract, and I think Quickly, if his talking points really hold up 
and hold up to the test of time, I think we could see him becoming one of the better coaches um, in recent. I think he could start becoming one of those top 10 coach, coaches and kind of become known as one of those top guys. I think it's kind of, they're going to have to get a better play caller. I think their play calling has been okay, but yeah, they're going to have to make some changes. Just try to get things that maybe are a little bit unprofessional on that team kind of under wraps, kind of hold, just get more experience and become a better team. Maybe for the Lions, I know um, success, holding success for a long time has been very difficult. So hopefully Dan Campbell could kind of just start a culture there and keep the Lions competitive. I know for a Bears fan, I think it's, we hope that they're not a division winner. And I think they might be, I think they're going to be able to contend with the Bears. And I think we could see a flip in that um, North coming up in the next few years, I think. It's all going to, we got Amon Ross St. Brown, obviously, with the Lions. Hutchinson, obviously, on defense. And then you got Justin Fields coming up with the Bears. And we'll see what happens in this draft. But yeah, a lot of exciting young talent on both sides, uh, on both of those teams. So um, yeah, Lions win 20 to 17. Jets look like they're in trouble. They're going to fall to tied for last. I think they have the tiebreaker over the Patriots, who we'll talk about right now. I mean, unbelievable game. For the Patriots. It was tied. In the fourth quarter. Um, both guys going back and forth. Mac Jones didn't have a great game. No touchdowns. 13 for 31. Stevenson had a tremendous game. 172 yards and a touchdown. And yeah, things were clicking on offense. I mean, they looked good for most of the time. But there were some major problems. They hit five. They hit three field goals. So their, their offense wasn't really that um, involved in terms of the passing game. Most of those um, points they scored were on field goals and um, mostly just field goals and won that one touchdown. So um, the Patriots hung in there. They're playing against a team in the Raiders who are now 6-8. and eight. So I know they're probably in trouble for the AFC considering how competitive it is. So they'll pro- they're probably out. But um, that's really not the thing that I'm here to talk about. It was just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like what happened. There's a couple seconds left nearing the end of that first half in the tie game, or in the fourth quarter. End of that fourth quarter in a tie game, the Patriots run a dive. They're going to run the clock out. Makes sense. Ramondre Stevenson decides he's going to lateral it in a tie game. This is They're not down. Stevenson laterals it to Jacoby Myers, who picks it up. At this point, I don't know what's going through Myers' head. It, he's probably thinking, okay, we're lateraling this now. I mean, apparently... There's been a change of plans. Maybe he thought he maybe didn't hear what they were doing correctly. So he decides to lateral it 30 yards, I would say, backwards. So he lateral 30 yards backwards to Chandler Jones, who's just standing there. He is just standing in the middle of the field. He gets it. The only man to beat is Mac Jones, and he stiff arms him into the ground. I mean, Mac Jones should not have been in that position. He was, and that led to him getting driven straight into the ground. Belichick must have been losing his mind. It was just one of the craziest events I've seen in recent NFL memory. And you never see teams do that. You're you're when you're down, yeah, that's one thing. But it's a tie game. The only thing that could happen in that situation is bad. Unless it's a miracle that you pick the ball up, somehow run into the end zone. I mean, on the offensive end, it's gonna be very difficult to do that considering. It's tied. The Raiders just have to keep you out of the end zone. So, I mean, I just don't understand it. And 
I don't really blame Jacoby Myers as much as people have been. Um, I think it's more Stevenson's fault. You, you know it's just a dive. I mean, you have to just go down and go to overtime against a Raiders team that's not very good. And this is going to cost the Patriots probably the playoffs. It almost feels like that time when uh, we saw the Miami Miracle when they pitched that one back and the Dolphins were able to knock the Patriots out of playoff contention and make it themselves. That was just right up there in terms of moments with the Patriots right there in terms of the dumbest things you ever see out of them. You never expect Belichick, who's supposedly a genius, and we know that he's got six Super Bowls, and now with Tom Brady gone, things have been much harder for him. He made one playoff appearance last year. They got their doors blown off against the Bills in that first round. So it's just, yeah, you just things that you don't expect to see out of Belichick, you've really seen so far this year, and it's just going to kind of really mess up things in terms of the playoffs um, for the Patriots. So when you look at that, I mean, I thought the Patriots had a chance to make the playoffs. I know they haven't had a great offense at all, but looking at everything that's happened, really, I think now that they're in huge trouble. Right now, the playoff picture is looking like right now Tennessee and Baltimore for the wild card at the moment for the AFC on um, that super wild card weekend. And then Kansas City, Miami, that would be a very exciting game with um, Tyree Kill coming back home. And then Cincinnati versus L.A., which I feel like would be probably that number one game. And I think that would be very exciting. That would be the three, or that would be the five versus four matchup, which is what we would have this season today, which obviously doesn't yet. So a lot of things that could happen. When you look at the tiebreaker and the standings and all that, um, it goes as follows. So right now, um, for the conference playoff picture, you're looking at, the Bills are in that number one spot. They clinched the playoffs with a win. The Chiefs already have clinched the division, so um, that's pretty important. So, yeah, Bills right now are in. Chiefs are in. So you already expected that to happen. That's the one and two seed. Now you look at this. So the Patriots are one game back against Miami as well as the Jets with one game back. Jacksonville is two games back in the wild card. But that's really not important for them. They are one game back now of the Texans, and they play each other last game of the season. So that'll be really um, the main thing to look at there. But yeah, I mean, it just shows how this AFC East with the Patriots and Jets, they're right there, the Dolphins as well. I mean, it just shows how bad of a loss that'd be for the Patriots. The Patriots would be ahead of the Dolphins right now. They'd be in. And right now, they're on the outside looking in. So that could be an issue for them, and... Very competitive division. You can't have games like that. It just can't happen. And just ridiculous to allow that to happen at all in the first place. Then you have the NFC. Eagles still have not clinched that division, but it's going to, that loss that the Cowboys took at the hands of the Jaguars is really going to benefit the Eagles. Basically, they win one more game, they're in with the division winner. They will clinch that one seed. Um, Minnesota already clinched the division. The Niners clinched their division. So those are the two. Three teams already in the playoffs there. Essentially, the Buccaneers, they also have to just win one more game. I think if they're 7-10, and 10, they're probably going to get in. Panthers already have nine losses. So if they, they have to win two out of three, the Patriots, or not the Patriots, the 
Um, Buccaneers just have to win one. So they're going to win. They'll probably be in there at the four. That's where they are right now. So right now, Eagles one seed, Vikings two, Giants three, Tampa four, Dallas five. The Giants had a huge win against the Commanders, a game that was pretty wild. I mean, Terry McLaurin got the thumbs up from the ref, and he still apparently was called for a false start penalty or a legal procedure, whatever it was. It really costed the Commanders, and that was an unfortunate loss for them. Uh, but yeah, now the Commanders still would be in right now. Um, last seed to get in. Uh, Seahawks on the outside looking in as well as the Lions. The Seahawks have the tiebreaker over the Lions, as well as the Packers are right there. This is what worries me. I think the Seahawks win two more. The Lions win two more, I would assume, and the Packers. So they would, if they went out, the 9-8. They would play the Lions the last game of the season. I feel like this would, I would hate if this happened. Packers, Lions, top record, with trying to get that seventh spot in the playoffs. Packers beat the Lions. Seahawks and Commanders, I mean, they would only have to lose. I mean, they could be out of the playoffs right now. They have seven wins. They could fall to seven and ten. I could I could see a spot where the Packers get in. And it's not that wild because the Commanders have to play again. And if they lose that, it could really be – it just all depends on – because one of these teams – in the NFC East is going to get no matter what. There's probably going to be three no matter what. So it's going to be Commanders, Seahawks, Lions, Packers. Better advantage to Taylor Heineke, Geno Smith, Jared Goff, or Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, it's Aaron Rodgers. And then going to Minnesota, imagine that. Aaron Rodgers goes into Minnesota and beats them. Something like that. That could happen. And we could see Aaron Rodgers somehow getting lucky and getting into the playoffs they have to win out, obviously. Nine and eight. They have eight losses right now. Went out. I could see possibility, but they went in. Most likely, they could beat the Lions, who they would play, unless the Lions could win out at that time. But even if the Lions lose one more before the Packers, that could be it. So I don't think the Lions will win out before the Packers. So, yeah, I think the Lions might be in trouble. Seahawks also, I think their best football is behind them. I don't think they're much to worry about. Commanders, though, I do believe that they they could get to nine. And they can get in. So I, I think the Commanders, I'd like to see them more than the Packers just because I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. It'd probably be a better matchup. But honestly, I think the Commanders are a better overall team right now um, than the Packers. So it'll be pretty interesting to look at. And yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive playoffs. Really, there's six teams that could win it all. Um, it's been pretty obvious since the get-go what those six teams would be. You got Bills, um, Chiefs. So, yeah, you got Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Cowboys, Niners. And uh, you probably got to, I don't know, you got to go with, it's tough. That It's basically, and um, I guess you could say um, Cincinnati. So it's pretty close there. But, yeah, it's interesting. Just what we're going to look at here, so. Yeah, I mean, with the season basically coming around, two weeks left, the playoffs, I forgot to read the NFC. The NFC playoffs would look like this. So I'll just review all of them um, before ending the show here. Tampa Bay at four and Dallas at five. That's most likely going to happen. I don't think that the Giants are going to jump over Dallas. I just think Dallas will probably get to 11 wins. 
So Tampa, with their division, if they win one more, they will be facing the Cowboys. They have the Cowboys number. That'll be in Tampa, so that'll be pretty interesting to see. Minnesota-Washington, as of right now, they and then San Francisco-New York. You can see the Packers going to that seven spot, as I talked about, and then the Eagles basically have that one seed clinched. Right now, it would be Tennessee-Baltimore. I would hate to see that game. That would be lame. The offenses would just... Both teams just bad offenses. So Tennessee, Baltimore, hopefully we could see the Jags jumping Tennessee. That'd be pretty interesting to see Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs after just the season was off to a bad start after Urban Meyer last year. That'd be crazy to see them bounce all the way back there in a tough choke job for Tennessee. Uh, Then Cincinnati, the Chargers. uh, I think the Chargers and Cincinnati would be that game that's on prime time. I think you're going to see that basically going that way. I think Cincinnati's going to hang on um, and win their division. I think LA, you never know. They could get there. They could also choke like they did last year. So um, that'll be pretty interesting to see. And then Kansas City-Miami. That's a game I really'd like to see. Just two high-powered offenses in the Tyree Kill revenge game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, basically, NFL was really all there was to get to. Um, the White Sox signed Andrew Benintendi, which is a very surprising signing for me. I expected them just to stay put, and I'm very glad they got an actual outfielder. He's a gold glove outfielder last year. He's a guy who's had power in his career previously, was really down in power last year, but so um, he missed a lot of time due to injury, as well as being traded from um, Kansas City to um, the Yankees. So I think it's a really good signing to get him, and now you can move Eloy to that DH position where you could really benefit, he could benefit health-wise, and then you got Probably Oscar Colas coming up in right field. He's a real right fielder as well. Gavin Sheets will be the back right fielder, which would be nice to see. We got Eloy's DH, so that'd be pretty interesting. Hopefully the Sox can get a second base in really quickly before um, offseason ends. Maybe you got like Segura, who's been other, maybe even a trade. Maybe guy like Hendricks, who's a, there's been talks about. I don't know. I just, second base would be pretty important considering you have um, a pretty efficient bullpen regardless. So, yeah, very bull. Um, in, Bulls news, yeah, nothing really going on there. Another, they gave up 150 points um, to Tennessee, or yeah, to Minnesota. So um, that's really, they got issues as well. So um, that's all I got for today. Um, thanks for listening, and I'll be live um, next Monday. Um, maybe just me, maybe multiple people on the show. So um, thank you all for listening, and I'll see you next time.